This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We started the week talking with Chicago's top doctor, Allison Arwady, about steps the city's taking to provide mental health care. Now, over the past few years, the budget for those services has gone from $12 million to $89 million. And Dr. Arwady points out that the city is serving many more people than it was before Mayor Lightfoot took office. So what more could be done to help Chicagoans struggling with depression and anxiety and mental illness? Alderwoman Rosanna Rodriguez of the 33rd Ward on the Northwest Side has a few ideas. Among other efforts, she's been a key voice in the push to have mental health professionals respond to some 911 calls and for more money for staffing at the city clinics. She joins us now with her perspective on the city's recent moves and what more can be done. Alderwoman, thank you so much for joining us in studio. Thank you for having me. So happy to be here. So I want to be fully transparent. You reached out to us after I spoke with Dr. Arwady and you said you wanted to quote add some missing pieces in this conversation. Yes. So tell me, what did you feel was missing? So um, I was listening to to the conversation, and I mean, there's a lot that I can say. Um, I, um, particularly on the on the part around investments, um, Dr. Arwadi quoted certain changes that have been uh, expansions of services, uh, particularly for the uh, public mental health centers that the city uh, runs. Um, a lot of those additions and expansions in services were done because we demanded them, because we had to fight for them. That was not a vision that this administration brought in. It has been a fight. Uh, I'm going to give an example. In 2019, uh, Dr. Arwadi mentioned that uh, in 2019, Uh, they started thinking about expanding services for the mental health centers, the public mental health centers, and having, for example, uh, mental health services in libraries. Okay. That is a request that we made of her, and she actually told us no in 2019. (laughs) Um, And it was a fight. And every budget, we have had to come and fight for a little bit more. In that particular budget in 2019, most of the funding for mental health went to nonprofits, right? Nonprofits are very important in the ecosystem in order to provide social services. They yeah. have their place. The problem that we have in Chicago is that nonprofits have essentially taken the brunt of all of the work. We have very little direct services funded by government. That is a problem. Why is it a problem? Because when you compare the standard of living, of a therapist, for example, that works for the city that starts at $77,000 a year with the therapists that have to work for nonprofits, it creates a lot of different issues like turnover yeah. rates, like really high turnover rates. Um, it, it impacts continuity of care. Um, so what we are trying to do is build a strong and sustainable public um, uh, healthcare system, particularly as it pertains to mental health. Yeah, give us your overall vision for mental health care in Chicago. Sure. So in 2020, I introduced the uh, what what we call popularly treatment not trauma council order, and the idea of that council order was to develop a model of mental health crisis response in the city of Chicago that didn't include police that that used the right tools to deal with mental health. Um, situations. We have learned a lot from introducing that, and I have been traveling around the country looking at what do um, many of the models look like now. Like Denver has the STAR program. Uh, We have um, 
Portland has street response. Um, there's Cahoots in, in Oregon. Um, so we have been looking at all of these programs, and we have come up with several ideas that would help. One, we need to have 24-hour walking crisis centers in the city of Chicago. Why? Because right now the only options that we have when people are experiencing a mental health episode is police stations or ERs. Those are not places that can help people with that kind of issue. Um, even if we have mental health crisis response, right now we have nowhere to transport people. If we have walking crisis centers, mm-hmm. which we could use, you, we could actually use some of our standing clinics, the five uh, centers that we have, the community mental health centers, we could use some of those to start a pilot to do 24-hour walking crisis centers. So that doesn't exist at all it right does now? Not, no, it does not exist. And it creates a problem for any responder that is trying to provide and assist somebody that is experiencing a mental health crisis and doesn't have a place to take them. And I want to say this because I, I think it's one of the best examples to illustrate this. I'm sure that people are familiar with the case of Irene Chavez. Irene Chavez was um, a queer um, Afro-Latina veteran who was experiencing a mental health crisis. Uh, She went to a club with with her friends. Uh, She ended up in an altercation with a bouncer. The police was called. She was transported. She said that she was experiencing a mental health crisis and she wanted to talk to her therapist Um, She was transported to a police station. She was left alone in a holding room where she took her own life. Irene should not have been in a police station. Irene should have been in a place where she could have been helped until her therapist could talk to her. Yeah. We don't want that to happen, right? And, And right now we're also putting responders in a very hard situation because you have to assist people in place. The other part that we think that is going to be important, and I learned this in Denver, um, I spent a very long time talking to the to the uh, response teams in the START program in Denver. They have already tended to close to 6,000 calls, and they have not used police backup in any of them. Yeah. Um, one thing that I asked them was how many of the situations that they faced daily were calls from 911 versus people that they just found. And a lot of the situations were from people that they just found, that they stumbled upon while they are doing rounds. So I asked them if you would expand, what would you do? And they were like, we would have community support teams that don't go through 911, that are just monitoring the things that are happening in communities, building trust with people in communities, visiting the places that are and the people that are most likely to go into crisis. And then you can contain that. That would also save you a lot of calls to 911. And that's a model that you think would work here in Chicago. We absolutely believe that we should have teams that are um, that are actively in communities monitoring Um, And then, of course, we do think that it is important to reopen the mental health clinics. And that is a really big disagreement that I have with Dr. Arwadi, because yesterday she minimized. um, uh, Sorry, at the beginning of the week, I think it was Monday. It was. Yes. Um, She said, well, everybody's talking about the clinics. And although I understand why people are talking about the clinics, that is not enough or that is not big enough. Well, right? well before you, you dig further, let's let's hear a little bit of, of what uh, Dr. Arwady uh, had to say and remind some folks who may not have heard that conversation. I spoke with the doctor and she weighed in on the closing of several clinics in the city under former Mayor Rahm Emanuel and on the possibility of reopening some. 
if we think about reopening clinics, which has historically been a lot of the conversation, and I understand why it's the conversation, because I think it marks for people this sense of we're losing resources that we needed. But if we th- we thought about what do we need to do to increase resources? In 2019, the city was paying to serve about 3,600 Chicagoans with mental health care. Zero of those folks were children. So Dr. Ari then went on to explain the importance of investing in pediatric care, homelessness care, and outreach on the CTA. So tell us more of your perspective on, on that. So that that is also interesting because the fact that the the clinics, the, the centers were not actually serving uh, youth and children was a discussion that we had with her in 2019 that it, that needed to happen. Um, it was not part of the original vision. So you're saying another thing that you yes. had to, we, quote, yeah. fight for. And in that meeting, there was several people from the Progressive Caucus on 2019. It was a budget discussion because all of these conversations have been had when we have to approve budgets to be able to fund departments. Um, so the so the issue was one of the things that Dr. Arwadi said after that clip was the idea of public funded clinics. She kept repeating that she wanted a public a publicly funded clinic in every um, ward in every neighborhood, in every one of the 77 neighborhoods, what she said. Um, there is a difference between publicly funded, so any organization that takes money from public sources, such as city, state, or federal funding, that's public funding. But that's not exclusively public, right? Mm-hmm. And there is a really big difference in how those services are provided, and the how is really, really important. We had Howard Brown Health workers just go on strike. Yeah. Why? Because of working conditions and because of layoffs. So one problem that we have is that we have this um, network of what uh, Dr. Arwadi and CDPH called the Trauma-Informed Centers of Care Network, which is how the city is supposed to be delivering these services. What happens when some of those centers that are really important, like Howard Brown, that provides a very specific service to a very specific community, to the queer community in Chicago, what happens when you start losing workers and you cannot provide that service? Because the city is responsible for providing that service and we're funding organizations to provide that service. Mm-hmm. The other part of it is the number. She has quoted the 60,000 number. I asked I ask them for a detailed report. I asked them during the budget hearings of last year. I sent an email asking for a detailed report of what those um, interventions were. I still don't know what that number is. Let's hear a bit of that, that moment. Sure. Frankly, opening clinics is part of it, but it's not thinking big enough. And so we, I want there to be a publicly funded clinic in every one of our 77 neighborhoods, but I also want to meet people who, frankly, have mental health needs that go far beyond uh, what might be served in an outpatient clinic. But I'm really proud of where we were. From 3,600 people in 2019, we served 60,000 residents last year with high-quality mental health, health services in Chicago in 15 thousand of those were children. So I already said reopening the clinics is not thinking big enough. Do you agree? No, not at all. I think that we actually should expand dramatically the structures of care that we have in the city and particularly for mental health care. We have a responsibility with the people of Chicago. As I was saying just now, Howard Brown is a very reliable nonprofit that provides service and all of a sudden 
they have all of these workers that are being laid off. And you wrote an open letter about the situation. I, I did, and I actually haven't gotten a full response okay. from CDPH about what the plan is to be able to ensure that the services that they're supposed to provide through the city funding is going to be executed, right? Um, so the, the public mental health centers of Chicago are really, really, really important, and people want to use them, too. Um, we have a survey that was done in the southwest side of Chicago by the Collaborative for Community Wellness. Um, and one of the things that this administration has been saying over and over is that there's this stigma. People don't want to go to public mental health centers or places that are associated with mental health. That's not what the survey found. It found that people just didn't know that the You're hearing something else. People don't know that the centers are there. At this point, I have taken it upon myself to start promoting the public mental health center that is close to my ward so that people use it. And I have gotten people to make appointments because they're underutilized right now. And so here's a quote from Mayor Lightfoot, who recently said about the reopening of the, the mental health clinics. I thought about that, too, and argued for it. But then what I heard from the experts and what I heard from patients is that they didn't want clinician care that our clinics offer. What they wanted was to be able to go to culturally relevant services in their neighborhood. So that, that to me, is really incredible that what we are saying as government is that we're not capable of providing culturally relevant care in neighborhoods. Because right now, I feel like what we're saying is government doesn't know how to do this. We are government. We can actually make this happen. We know how to make this happen. I mean, I, I hope <laughs> that we would know how to make this happen, right? We, um, we have proposed several different um, alternatives to make sure that the system is, is working as we need it to work and providing the care that we need it to provide. And the problem that we have faced is that we don't get hearings, right? Like we don't get an opportunity to talk about this openly in a hearing with subject matter experts. Yeah. Um, because that that is how the, the city council has been structured. So, you know, in addition to that interview we did with Dr. Arwadi on, on Reset, she had an op-ed in the Sun-Times, yes. right, where she laid out the steps that the city's taking to improve mental health care. Afterwards, you wrote on Twitter, you, you said, quote, the approach of this administration has been to double down on this harmful neoliberal model mm -hmm. where we provide urgent mental health services through mental health professionals who are exhausted, exploited and have little agency. So sum it up for us, Alderwoman. What more do you think city council could do to help folks like the ones you are describing here and, and talk about your plans going forward? We need to start investing in direct services. We need to move away from the neoliberal model of delegating all of the care to non-for-profits. We need to ensure that the people that we are asking to take on the work of addressing the trauma of the city are being well treated, have decent wages, benefits, a pension, um, and a union. Those things are going to be really important. And we're seeing this in almost every industry, right? Like you're looking at the CTA, for example, and we're, we're saying we can hire anybody. Well, we need to provide really good wages, right? Uh, you, you see the neoliberal model with the rideshare industry. They're trying to unionize. We need to start treating workers with dignity. If we want society to work, we need to treat people with dignity and we need to make sure that they're protected and cared for. And that's the case with uh, the workers that provide mental health in Chicago. That was Alderwoman Rosanna Rodriguez of the 33rd Ward. Thank you so much for coming in. Absolutely.